Hello everyone, this is Dave Hagen. Today I want to talk about due dates on credit cards. Let's save you some money. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. I know, I know, I know you're thinking, Dave, why are you even talking about due dates on credit cards when you don't even like them? Well, I can always be an optimist and hope that my listeners will follow my advice and not carry any cards at all or maybe just one card. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't take my advice. If you decide that you want to have one or two credit cards, I I think having the information we're going to talk about today will be very beneficial to you. So let's begin. Today, I want to talk about three different issues regarding due dates on credit cards. Today, I want to talk about due dates The first involves the grace period. The grace period is the time that you have to pay off the card without incurring any interest. Now, it used to be that it was very standard for most cards to have a 25 or 30-day grace period. Many cards are now shrinking this down to 20 days or less. I've heard of situations where someone almost had to turn around and pay the bill the next day in order to have the funds arrive in sufficient time to avoid paying any interest or late fees. There's now legislation in a lot of states on this issue so that grace periods can't shrink quite too far. But if you're someone who pays their account current every month, and I hope you are, you should check to make sure that you're not being charged a late fee. Although I understand there are some credit card companies now that are taking to charging fees for people who always pay within the grace period. Know what your grace period is. Pay your card immediately when you get the bill if you can. Incidentally, Having the ability to pay your credit card statement when it's due immediately is a good sign of financial health. Do you do this? If not, put it on the calendar when it's due. The second issue involving due dates is late posting. This is the period of time from when you write the check to when it's credited against your account. I had a situation some time ago where it took 10 days for a check of mine to get across the country and be credited to my account. And quite frankly, in 10 days, I could have almost walked across the country. You should understand that the issue is not actually how long it takes to get across the country. Rather, more often the issue is how long the check sits in a pile at the credit card company before it's credited to your account. The credit card companies aren't particularly motivated to be efficient in this regard. Why? If the check sits around before it's credited, you incur a late fee. These late fees can range from $5 to $25. In fact, I recently saw an example where someone was charged a late fee of $29. How'd the company come up with that amount? My guess it's the largest amount they thought they could get away with without there being a huge public outcry. A study a few years back found that a full 20% of all credit accounts incur a late fee. The credit card industry made $11 billion on late fees a few years back. And by the way, $11 billion in annual fees and $25 billion in cash advance fees. Wow, what a racket. Unfortunately, people in trouble are the ones who are usually paying their bills late and can least afford to pay the additional $29 a month. 
So here's a quick tip for you. If you mail your check late, but before the due date and it gets there late, call and request that the late fee be removed. Sometimes this is even true if your check is a day or two late. If you have a good credit history, they will almost always remove that late fee. Now, there are a number of reasons why they do this. First, it's absolutely found money to them, so to take it off really doesn't hurt them much. Second, they don't want to lose you as a customer over a $29 late fee. And lastly, they don't want to irritate so many people so that the government or consumer groups start to looking into these kinds of practices. Every month, make sure that your check gets there in time so as to avoid the fee. Read your statement every single month like it's your favorite magazine. It takes some time to read a monthly credit card statement because they're all designed differently. I really hate doing this. However, spending some time to ensure that they're actually doing what they're supposed to do will pay benefits in the long run in terms of you not having to pay late fees. The third issue is retroactive interest. Ever go to a place where you don't have to pay for the purchase for a year? Well, if you read the fine print, it usually says that if you don't pay in full by the end of that one year, you have to pay interest starting on the first day you made the purchase. The interest comes back retroactively. Crazy, right? I had a friend who purchased um, an airbed. You've probably seen these in the places in the mall. When he read the fine print in the contract, it provided that if he didn't pay within a year, he would have to pay interest at the rate from 20 9% from the first day that he purchased the item. Who would knowingly add 30% to the purchase price of an item? The finance company's banking on the fact that some people will miss the one-year anniversary and end up paying 30% more for their purchase. These unfortunate people make up for all the others that actually do remember to pay their purchase on time. And let me tell you a personal story. There was a place that was selling uh, big screen TVs and you didn't have to pay for a year. In fact, I saw some places where you didn't have to pay for 14, 15, 16 months. You've seen those ads. Again, what they didn't tell you, unless you read the fine print, is if you don't pay it off within that one year, all the interest charges for the last year come back and you've got to pay them. What may have initially been a pretty good purchase is now a terrible deal. And what about after you've been looking for that TV or looking at the TV for a year or so and now you've got to pay for it in full? not nearly as much fun. Don't fall into these traps if you can help it, although I'm still tempted by that big screen TV. Like I've said many times before, credit accounts are becoming more and more of a game. You have to really pay attention, read the fine print not to get trapped. Unfortunately, the game is also becoming less and less truthful. Don't get trapped and turn your hard-earned money over to the finance companies. This is Dave Hagan. And you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or... You can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, we're back. Uh, Nick's got some emails for me. Nick, what do you got? All right, we got the first one from Randy. It says, hey, Dave, I owe $30,000. Should I file bankruptcy? P.S. Love the podcast. That's it? 
That's, that, that's the whole question. That's huh? as ambiguous as it gets. All right. So the question is, I owe $30,000. Should I file bankruptcy? Uh, Randy, the answer is it depends. It really depends. It depends upon a lot of things that are going on in your life. Like, what do you make a year? Um, if you are making $15,000 a year and owe 30, well, well, start thinking about bankruptcy. <laughs> if Randy's making a hundred and owes 30, well, maybe not. So it depends upon salary. We don't know if Randy's, um, we don't know his marital status or how many kids he's got. Um, we don't know what his mid-range financial plans are. So it, it's hard to tell. We don't, we don't know what kind of assets he has. Also, is it dischargeable? Well, I mean, that's, that's true too. If it's taxes or if it's student loans or something like that, um, that's not really even a consideration in a bankruptcy. Depends on his assets. You know, if Randy's got a house and there's some equity in it, uh, he's not going to be filing a bankruptcy for that. So it, it depends upon the whole picture. I, I'll tell you a story. One time I, I did a bankruptcy for a lady and, and it was for $4,000. And this, I mean, I know on the face of that, that sounds pretty, <laughs> that sounds pretty incredible, but she came in and she was, she was working at a fast, fast food place and she was like assistant manager and she was bringing home like uh, $850 a month. And, um, that was the, the, the limit of, of her ability to make a living at the present time. And this creditor had a judgment for four grand and they were going to levy on her wages. Now she was barely making it at 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 eight fifty. She certainly wasn't going to make it with twenty five percent less, which is what the garnishment law is in California. So she just wasn't going to make it. So here's this very small amount of debt that's ex extreme because it's a judgment. They're going to going to garnish her wages, but it's small. So what is what does she do? Well, we ended up filing a bankruptcy. But what I did is I called the creditor first and I said, look. We're going to do this, but I will give you my fee if you release her from the debt. I will give you what I'm going to earn. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing. And they said, oh, no, no. We're really, really good at getting money out of people. Da, 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 da. We need an offer, 75 cents on the dollar, blah, blah, blah. And I said, she doesn't have it. She's making eight fifty a month. And that was nice of you to offer that, too. Oh, well, I mean, it just seemed like the, the right thing to do, you right. know. So so uh, they said, no, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And I said, all right, well, remember... Remember, I made this call and we did the bankruptcy and she discharged the debt and she got nothing. So uh, you, you've got to look at the whole picture to, to, to see whether it, it makes sense. We don't have enough information here from Randy. Um, you know, at 30,000, I'd start off, I'd start out with, well, maybe not, but it depends a lot upon what uh, else is going on in his financial life. The thing I like about his uh, question most he said, hey, I love the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so Randy's got to be a good guy. Well, I guess we're doing something, right? Well, yeah. I would say if Randy's listening, you know, uh, send us a follow-up. Send us another email of uh, what's going on, and then uh, we can answer that email in a, in a future podcast. But yeah. uh, I say we go on to uh, next one. Let's take another one. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, this one's from Sam. Sam says, I make about 50000 per year at a job I've been at for about five years. I'm 25 years old. I still live at home because my parents built out a place for me in the garage. Sounds nice. It is really a great deal. I drive an old car that my parents provide. I figure it's time for me to step out a bit and enjoy life. I recently went to the car dealership to look at a new ride that would fit my new lifestyle. I'm really partial to the Porsche 911, but was so impressed that I can get a brand new Tesla for 5000 down and 1200 per month for 72 months. 
I can use my emergency fund for the down payment and can easily afford the, the monthly payment. I would appreciate your thoughts. Love the podcast from Sam. Oh, Sam, 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 Sam. Oh, a new lifestyle would be nice, but I'll tell you what's not cool. It's not cool to park your new Tesla in front of your parents' house. That just doesn't work. Um, there's so many things here. Sam, do you have any money saved up? Um, you should have some money saved up if you haven't been paying rent for five years and you're making $50,000. Um, you know, the fact that you're going to have a, a, a Tesla in the garage and or living in the garage is, <laughs> is an advertisement that you're, that you're not making good decisions. You don't have any money saved up. You're buying a fast car. Um, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, never, by the way, never spend your emergency fund unless it's an emergency. Um, it's hard to save money. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, but never use your emergency fund as a down payment on a depreciating asset. Uh, put that money in the bank, keep it in the bank, and keep it growing fast. Not your emergency fund, but maybe some other money that you should have been saving over the years. If you're 25 and you're going to work to 65, you've got, what, 40 years? And uh, that means you can double your money four times at 7%. So if you put 10000 in the bank now, it'll be 20, 20 will grow to 40, 40 to 80 by the time you retire in just a simple IRA account or some kind of a retirement account. So I, I think you've got to, to get some things going. You've got to get interest going in your favor before you start looking at a car. And uh, a car is probably the worst asset to buy especially to finance, but also to buy, because cars are depreciating assets. You drive that Tesla off the lot right now, it's going to be worth 20% less. The Porsche will depreciate actually quicker, I think. And so you're, you're spending money, making payments, plus interest on an asset that's depreciating. I don't, I don't get that. I just don't get that. I see people driving around these really fancy cars, and, and I go, wow, the payment to that must be five, six, $700 a month. That doesn't make sense to me unless they're making just a bunch of money. So, Sam, I think you really need to sit down with um, you know, some kind of financial planner, some, some kind of certified financial planner to, to, to map out your life a little bit, because I think you're about ready to make a really bad decision and a big right, wrong turn. Um, and I don't mean right in terms of right or wrong. I mean a right-hand turn that's wrong. Seems like a black hole to me. Yeah, that, that's a mess. And I see a lot of people with that. I remember years ago, I, I um, uh, consulted with the guy, and he was, he was doing pretty good financially. He was looking to get married, and, but he had bought this, um, oh, what was it? It was a, a red Corvette. Now, what guy doesn't want a red Corvette? It was a gorgeous car. But he got tired of making the payments, and the payments were killing him and squeezing him. And we talked about different things that he was going to do. He almost, almost filed a bankruptcy just to be able to give the Corvette back and not have to uh, deal with a deficiency after they sold it at an auction. I know that he decided not to do that. He, he sucked it up and paid it off over some period of time, but um, he wasn't even driving it at the end. It was such a negative experience for him. It was just sitting in the parking lot and he was um, couldn't wait to get the payments down and, and get rid of that, uh, that Corvette. So... Uh, look before you leaks, leap, Sam. Um, think long and hard. It's like, uh, remember years ago, I was on a ski lift and I was watching a guy about ready to go off a, go off a big jump. The guy was probably going to hurt himself and the ski patrol, uh, stopped and, and looked at the guy and he didn't say, Hey, don't, Hey, don't. The ski patrol only said, think about it. And that's what I want you to do, Sam. All right. Good luck. Good luck, Sam. Let's, let's take another, uh, email. 
All right, here is Tom. It says, from Tom, Dave, any advice on which is better, a credit or debit card? Well, that's, that's an easy answer. The answer is neither. Neither. <laughs> Cash is king. Cash is always king. Always king. Now... It's harder to track your cash, but you're going to spend about 18% less, studies have shown, if you're buying things for cash. So if you got the discipline and you can track where your cash is going, eh, doesn't matter. That's fine. Cash, I, I would go with cash. If you don't have any discipline and you're not going to track things, or if you're younger and you're looking on your smartphone for stuff, yeah, maybe the debit card. Maybe the debit card's a little better deal. Um, if, you diff, if your discipline's good, maybe the credit card. But um, I would try and stay away from those. I advise people not to carry more than one credit card in their wallet. It, it's just too, it's too tempting. You know, it used to be that uh, you were well-to-do if you carried five or six cards. You'd have a couple majors. You'd have a couple department stores. Um, no, no, no. The, the, the people that are doing well are carrying one card, maybe two. People that carry two, I tell them, hey, carry one for your personal life, carry one for your business life. That makes it very easy to do your tax at the end of the year. But more than that, you really, you really don't need, you really don't want one or two. You don't want them in a drawer at home in case you need them. Um, now, if you got them, you don't necessarily want to close them out too fast because that can hurt your credit. But one or two cards is enough. Um, I like debit cards because they're easier to deal with in that way. But debit cards are relatively newer phenomenon. And for someone like myself, a baby boomer, it's, it's a little weird. But for the millennials, um, debit cards probably the way to go. I mean, I would also think about if you want to raise your credit score as well. Because I, I feel like if you want to raise your credit score, a debit card would not really factor into that. Well, credit scores is a whole nother thing. Um, and, you know, I'm going to do a podcast just on credit and credit scores. I think that uh, corporate America has us chasing falsely um, our credit reports, our credit scores. Mm, it's nice to have one if, you know, a good score if you, if you need it. But, you know, if, if you have cash, you don't need the credit. Cash is king. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you have money to walk in and, and buy a car and you go, I'm going to write the check. One, they'll freak out because they always sell you on monthly payments. But two, you might be able to get a better deal, a better discount um, if you've got cash. So if you've got money saved up or if you actually have physical cash, you're going to be in a in a much, much, much better spot. So um, I'd like to see more people doing that. I don't want to see people carrying around big wads of cash, obviously, because the chances of someone coming up and taking it from you on the street are great. But um, people that go cash, I think, tend to do better. They tend to spend less. They tend to spend more wisely, more prudently. Um, and I and I like that. I like that. Uh, good luck with that, Tom. Let's, let's take one more. Sure, let's do it. Uh, let's go to William. <laughs> Funny, it uh, actually goes back to uh, Sam's. It says, uh, hey, Dave, I want a Tesla. Is that bad? <laughs> you pulled these two out together just to, just just to tease me, you just know. Just to tease you, you know. Uh, Nick Nick knows that um, um, I, I probably want a Tesla in the worst way. That's an amazing, amazing car, but um, I don't know. Is it bad to want a Tesla? No, I don't think it's bad. Well, I mean, there's one orbiting right now uh, <laughs> around right. Earth. <laughs> That's right, on its way to Mars yeah. or something. Yeah. No, I don't think it's bad um, uh, if you make enough. If you make enough, um, 
let's see what someone should make in using some numbers. If if you've got a, a car payment of $1,000, let's say, and at 300 is insurance, that means your transportation is 1300 Now, I'm thinking an electric car, so you don't have gas um, uh, that you have to pay for and your insurance is included in your house. So uh, in, transportation should be about a third of your take-home pay. So uh, if you're spending 1300 on uh, uh, your transportation, you multiply by five, uh, that means your take-home pay should be mm, $5,200. Now let's gross up that 5200 because that's net, and let's make that gross your gross about mm, maybe $9,000 a month. Now let's take that $9,000 and annualize it to yeah. $117,000, $115,000, whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're making 115000 and all of your other expenses are in line, and you want to buy a, a, a car like that, um, okay. Um, I don't think it's bad to want it. I don't think it's bad to buy it if you're making enough. Um, you know, a, a Tesla's probably going to hold its value maybe better than a, than a gasoline engine car. Maybe, maybe not, but I, I tend to think so. You save some money on gas. All told, maybe not a bad deal, but wow, William's going to have to really look at that and say, are all my other is all the other things in my house in order, and do I make enough that... Um, that I can really uh, afford it. And then, and then, hey, is it, are you going to get $1,000 of pleasure a month driving around a car like that? For some people, yes. For some people, no. But a thousand's a lot of coin of the realm to, uh, to, to do that. One suggestion that I would make is, hey, check out a, a car that's uh, one or two years old. Yeah, I, I mean, also, just because you want it, do you have the financial means to obtain it? Well, I think that's what it comes down that's to. That's true, but I see people do all sorts of weird things to stretch their finances to, to be able to make the payment, not to afford it, but to to be able to make that payment. And it, it distorts a lot of other parts of their um, a lot of the other parts of their life. So if everything else is in line, if you're making enough money, maybe it's it's okay to want the car. Maybe you think twice about buying it. I mean, I want, I want a Ferrari. I, yeah. I, I, I can't buy it, but yeah. I definitely want one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted a pony for Christmas too, and didn't get one. So you know, that's kind of how that that's kind of how that rolls. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have today. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.